With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Mommy, I hear the baby crying. Help me, all the words she's implying. Where have I been while my world has been dying? Lord, teach me how to pray. None my
So I'm going to switch for just a second over to my cell phone. I mean, that's a, it's a scary thought that we go to these elections and, you know, people claim they believe in this and they're going to support this or this, but in reality we have no idea until they get in the office and all we can do is wait upon the Lord and cry out to him and trust that his hand is going to continue to move. You know, I spend a lot of time driving in my car and, you know, today, more than most days, I was sitting at a traffic light and, you know, the sheer amount of cars I saw around me was almost um, breathtaking. You know, forget about saving the whole world. Forget about saving just the country you're in. I, I was thinking, you know, how could we possibly save just the people in this one city? I mean, there was, I mean, but it seemed like thousands of them being on a highway stuck in traffic and just as far as your eye can see down a stretch of highway, car after car after car, piled with people. Every single car, a person with a soul that is going to be eternal one way or another. It's either going to be in his presence or not be in his presence. And that's the bottom line. That's the end of it. That one way or another, every single person in every one of those cars I saw on the highway, based on choices they make here in this life, their entire eternity will be set in stone. Whether they believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they're covered in the blood, whether they have a redeemer a redeemer and a savior through him alone. And you know, it's a scary thought. It's a joyful thought because the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. But it's a scary thought because there's so many of them, millions upon millions upon millions of people. And, you know, you, you drive around on the highways or whatever and you look around and you have absolutely no clue who's who. You don't know who knows him, who doesn't know him. The ones who claim they know him, you don't know if they really know him. All you know is you trust the Lord because you know the Lord sees the heart of a man. And thank God for that, that he sees the heart of a man. And Jesus said, I know those who are mine and the enemy cannot snatch them away. And, you know, while I was thinking about it, um, thinking about the news and all the stuff that's going on, all the, the warring and the fighting over different issues, um, the immorality that seems to be springing up everywhere you turn, you get to a point where you can't look anywhere without there being wickedness, without there being unrighteousness. You can't turn your eye without seeing something that offends your spirit. And at times I was like, God, is there anybody else out there who still loves you? Is there anybody else that still serves you? And while I know there's millions upon millions of 
believers, Christians, those who have trusted him and still serve him, at times it seems a little bit disheartening, the sheer number of people and how outnumbered it seems that we are in the world. And I remember what he said to Elijah in um, the book of Kings, uh, 1 Kings 19. He had run away from Jezebel, and he's, it says in verse 10, um, so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. You know, it's always interesting what happens when you stop. You become still and listen to the voice of God. And regardless of the circumstance you're in, regardless of the situation you're in, regardless of what's going on, what obstacles you're facing, what obstacles you will face, what's coming up, what's before you, what's behind you, if you just stop, like the scripture says, to be still and know that he is God. And you just listen for his voice. And what he said to Elijah was, he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as your king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him, I have reserved for myself. He is reserved for himself those who love him those who trust him those who know his name because regardless of man and the faith faithlessness of man regardless of the issues that men have the Lord's faithful. Throughout the 
entirety of Scripture from beginning to end demonstrates the faithfulness and the mercy of our God. You could go all the way to the beginning of Adam and Eve and his covenant that he had with them, that he would walk with them. And even after they messed it up, he still stepped in to provide a covering, planning that in the future he would take away sin and provide eternal life. And throughout the Old Testament, through men like Abraham, who always didn't didn't always do things the right way, Abraham didn't wasn't always perfect in his actions. Sometimes he even doubted God and things that the Lord had promised him that he would do. But the Lord was faithful. Because he knew Abraham's heart. And even despite his heart, the Lord was faithful to the word which he had spoken over Abraham. You could go forward to Noah in the time of the flood when the world, much like it is now, had become exceedingly corrupt. And the continual thought of every man was of wickedness. And when the Lord could find almost none righteous except for one man and his family, the Lord was faithful to not destroy the entire earth. And when the waters had risen and wiped out the entirety of the earth except for those in the ark, the Lord remembered the word which he had spoken, and the waters subsided. And throughout the scripture, we see the Lord constantly intervening, constantly being faithful to fulfill his word that he's spoken in our lives. You could take the nation of Israel, and the Bible says to bless Israel, which we do, and we pray for Israel, the chosen people of the Lord God, through whom our Messiah even came. But yet you look at the history of Israel, and they weren't always the most faithful people to the Lord. But he's faithful. To his word. From generation to generation. And what does the scripture say? If you turn even to Malachi. You know it's the. It's Malachi chapter 3. Which is usually the place that most people don't want to go. Because it talks about the tithes. I believe it's that talks about the tithe. Yeah, it does. But it also says, if I can find it now, I had it earlier. And where are we at? Okay, because see, verse 8 is, or verse 8 was where it starts talking about the tithe. And people don't like that. So we're going to go a little bit before that. And we're going to go to verse 6. And it says, for I am the Lord. 
I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your father, you have gone away from my ordinances, and I have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? He said, I am the Lord. I do not change. You know, I've um, had an interesting life um, from the time I first met the Lord when I was just um, a young, young kid to the present. Um, Five million decisions that have been made. um, And I personally would think that a majority of them were the wrong ones. And I started to think about the different paths that we get put on in our lives based on our decisions, the choices that we make that um, in some ways they they move us in one direction or move us in a different direction. And, you know, I remember growing up um, in the church and I remember hearing someone say that, for example, that if you marry the wrong person, then, you know, that just messes it all up. I mean, that you can completely destroy the will of God for your life based on marrying the wrong person. And, you know, I believed that for a while. And now, not so much. Because I believe that the Lord is faithful to fulfill his word, even in our weaknesses. And what did he say? My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. When the strength of men fail, the Lord shows himself strong to us who believe. And that even when you make a mistake, even when you don't necessarily go the right way, even when you should have gone, the Lord said to go left and you went to the right, or he said to go straight and you decided to turn, he remains faithful because he doesn't change. You know, kings rise up and kings fall. Nations rise and fall. What seems like every day, people are born, people die. You know, it says man is just dust. Our our days are numbered. And everything around us constantly changes. There's disasters and famines and destruction and mayhem and chaos all around us at times in the world, but yet he doesn't change. You know, on um, September 11th, what I guess was 2001, um, the terrorist bombing of the World Trade Centers in the United States, I, I don't know the exact number, two, three, something thousand people who died. And I remember watching it on TV and just being mesmerized about what I was seeing and then having to have that sink in of the amount of devastation that could be that could happen in this world at one moment. Those thousands of people who are no longer living, but they're gone and they're before the Lord. And what happens the second after that? For some people, it seems like the world ends. And, you know, you can be in a place, even tonight, 
where the worst things have possibly happened and you can't understand and you can't comprehend and you, you can't see anything in front of you. You can't see a way past where you're at right now. And it seems like the whole world has just pretty much ended, if only just for you. But I can tell you that while your circumstance changes, he remains the same, unfailing, always faithful, always loving, no matter what, that he will never forsake the words that he's spoken over you. We don't always know exactly why things happen. It's the ultimate question that everybody wants an answer to. Why does this happen? Why does this happen? Why did I go through this? Or why was I forced to go through this? And, you know, there's these answers that we'll, we'll never have answers to. And I think sometimes even having answers wouldn't justify the desires that we have in our heart. I remember in some of the worst times of my life, when I was in that position where I couldn't see in front of me and everything seemed dark and all none of the choices mattered and nothing really made any sense. I wanted answers as to why things happen, why there's evil and wickedness in the world. But more than I wanted answers, I wanted to know that he was there. At my lowest moments, through that valley of the shadow of death, I wanted to be assured that he was with me because I knew if he was with me, then it didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter what was around me. It didn't matter what the struggles, what the obstacles, what the mountains were because he was there. Adonai, my Savior, my Redeemer, our Comforter, our friend, our God. And even in my life when I've made horrible mistakes, times when I've just went my own direction, hearing his voice say, come this way. And I was like, you know, God, I'm not going to do that right now. I don't feel like doing that. I'm going to go this direction because I want to do this. And getting so far and finally getting a repentant heart, I mean, like, God, I want to, I, I messed up. I, I screwed this whole thing up. You were right. I was wrong. I should have never done any of this. Where are you at? How do I get back to the place in my relationship to you where it was? And the answer has always been pretty much the same, which is that he hasn't moved, that he hasn't changed, that he's still there that his love is from everlasting to everlasting, his mercy from everlasting to everlasting, his faithfulness from everlasting to everlasting. And it wasn't so much that God changed, but at those times my perception of God has changed 
because at those times this, the sin in my life blinded me from seeing him because my eyes were too focused on other things in the world. Even at times when I was serving the Lord and something would come up, whether it was a tragedy or even times good things, and my eyes would so easily shift to those things, my perception just slightly changed. And I would notice immediately there's a problem. Where are you? Where are you, God? And then I turn, and he's like, I'm still here. Haven't changed. Haven't moved. Faithful from generation to generation. You know, it really doesn't matter who wins the election. While we want someone who's righteous, we want someone who's holy, we want someone who serves the Lord God. And it would be so amazing if, Father, you put someone in office who actually heard your voice, someone who actually sought your face when making decisions on behalf of our nation and on behalf of the world. But we may or may not get that, get that right now. God, only you know the hearts of men. Only you know the hearts of these two men who are being elected. So, of course, we want your will to be done. The choices almost seem clear. One person who supports life, another one who doesn't, one who seems to support righteousness, one who doesn't. But, oh, God, you know the hearts of men. For all our days are numbered and counted out, and all the days of our lives are before you, written in your book. So instead of trusting in men, Instead of trusting in ourselves, Father, we trust in you. Knowing the weakness that is in men, knowing what's even inside of us, the old sin nature which tries to rear its head at times. Father, we trust in you, and we trust in you alone, and we hide ourselves at the foot of your cross surrendering our lives, surrendering our will, our desires, and our ambitions, Father, surrendering everything that we might know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Father, that we can hear your voice. You know, it always surprised me, and this is just me, and I think me and Chris have had lots of talks about this, and it's always surprised me people who, and I don't want to offend anybody by saying this whatsoever, um, but it's, in a way, always surprised me when people will stand on the street corners, for example, with signs proclaiming anything except the love of God because somehow they think 
or are convinced that by casting down condemnation and judgment that it will cause all of a sudden people will wake up and they'll be like, oh, wait, we can't do that. That's not what God wants, and we we can never do that. But the truth of the matter is that the world doesn't know God. They can never understand, never comprehend the things of his heart. And what does the scripture say? It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the interaction with God touching their hearts that causes men to change and to repent and to turn from their wicked ways. We can preach from sun up to sun down against actions. But at times, what's a lot more effective than going out there and preaching against people's actions is to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes what helps even more is to be on your knees before the Father, crying out on behalf of the nations and the kingdoms of this world and those people who may or may not know God, to those who are Christians, to those who are believers, those who trust Him, to pray and intercede from them, and not only them, but to pray for the rest of the world. Not that all of a sudden they'll wake up one day and they'll stop doing whatever it is that they're doing, but that they'll wake up one day and they'll know him. That they'll wake up one day and they'll hear his voice. They'll wake up one day and they'll see him and their eyes will be opened and their ears will be opened. Oh God, that they can know you. Because when they know you, that's it. Everything changes. There can be no righteousness outside of the blood of Jesus. The Bible says our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All of our righteousness like filthy rags. And we're not justified by by our works. Not justified by the works of the law, but we're justified through, through faith in Christ Jesus alone. As it says in Ephesians, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's righteousness that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ through his blood alone. Not by getting up and proclaiming yourself to be righteous. Not by getting up and saying, hey, you need to be righteous today. Because in... It's all about the works, and it's not about the saving grace and the mercy and the faithfulness of the Lord. I see my own life, and I see sins I've struggled with throughout my life, some easy to for the Lord to remove, some that have seemed to take a, taken a lifetime, things the Lord still works with me on. And knowing that without him, I'm nothing. Without him, there is no righteousness. Without him, there is no holiness. Without him, there is no purity. 
how could I possibly expect the world to understand what bothers me about certain sins? If they can't possibly comprehend the reason I feel that way. If they've never had a desire for holiness, they've never had a desire for righteousness that only comes through the presence of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, if they've never understood that, how they could they ever possibly desire to change anything? Because it doesn't always start with your actions. It starts with your heart at times. It starts with a heart that cries out to the Lord and says, Father, here I am. Take me as I am. What did Jesus say? That every hair on our heads are numbered. That he knows us intimately, completely. Completely, what, what does that scripture say? Acquainted with all our ways, our rising up and our going down, and he knows them all together. It starts with the relationship with him. And the good news is despite where you're at in your life, despite if you know him, despite if you don't know him, he's faithful to his words. He's faithful to the promises he made. Not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Because there's freedom through his blood. There's victory through his name. I remember being at a um, prophetic meeting once and, you know, it's through my life. um, I've had the honor the Lord's given me that I've had numerous prophetic words spoken about me. Many of them true, actually probably most of them true. And, the ones I didn't think were true or I didn't see get fulfilled, a lot of them either haven't happened yet or they got fulfilled in ways I couldn't possibly understand. Because at times the Lord will say things or he'll speak things to us or he'll give us visions and dreams of the future and we'll, in our own minds we'll start working out the little details ahead of time way before we're in that position that the Lord is going to put us wherever it is he said we're going to be and we're like, okay, God, that sounds great. I want it right now. I'm ready. How are how how are you going to get me there? Oh wait, no. How am I going to get me to that place that you just showed me? And so it's like the Lord says, this is what I want for you. And we're like, okay, let me see what I can do to make that happen. And we forget that we can't because we see dimly, as if through a veil, sometimes. We see in part and know in part. And, you know, through many of those prophetic words I've received, most of them were nothing what I was expecting. And many of them were nothing that I had personally wanted to hear from the Lord at that moment. And so I would be about to receive a word from someone. 
And I'd be like, okay, God, this is really what I want them, you to tell them to say to me. But the Lord always had, usually had other plans, and he always knew what he needed to say to me or what he just wanted me to hear, which wasn't always what I wanted to hear. And you know, I may have told this story once before, but um, when I was first learning to hear the voice of God, which, you know, a, a lot people have asked me before, how do you hear the voice of God? How do prophets hear the voice of the Lord? And, you know, he speaks to his people in so many different ways. Number one, he speaks through his word. But then there's so many other ways he can speak to you. He can give you dreams. He can give you visions. He can just give you pictures. He could audibly speak to you if he wanted to, but I've only heard of maybe a handful of people who've had that experience. You know, the Lord speaks to me, and more often than not, when the Lord talks to me about someone else, I don't get a whole paragraph where the Lord says, okay, you're going to go to this person. I need you to go to this person and say this, 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 and this, and I get like a three-minute long paragraph of a word from the Lord. You know, the Lord will... More often than not, there will be some image he puts in my head, and I'll feel the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I'll walk up to them, and I'll be like, okay, this is what I'm seeing from the Lord, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit steps in and gives me everything at that moment. And I know people who I'm friends with, who they can sit down in a church with a piece of paper and they can look around the whole church and be like, okay, Lord, what are you saying about each one of these people? And on this piece of paper, they can write down every single person and what the Lord's saying to them. And after the service, walk up to every one of them and give them a word from the Lord. And I've never, I've never done that. And I know people who hear the voice of the Lord so clearly because they've spent so much time in his presence that he'll wake them up in the morning to tell them things. Or they'll be praying and seeking his face, hence the key, they'll be praying and seeking his face and the Lord will just speak to them clearly and say, I need you to go do this. But you know, hearing the voice of God starts with practice. It starts by seeking the face of the Lord. It starts by having his word inside of you. It starts by the desire to know him. It starts by being willing to sacrifice your time so you can have the relationship. Because while the Lord can talk to you in five minutes a day, if that's all you have for him, there's a lot more he can say to you if you give him 20 minutes a day and a lot more if you give him an hour. 
And the more time you spend with him, the more you get to know him. The more time you're in his word, the more you hear about him. The more the Holy Spirit will take those words of the scripture and make them alive. And start giving you revelations from his word. Things you have never heard before. Things you've never dreamed of will just pop out of the Bible at you. You know, I've said this before, but, you know, growing up in church, I've had the ability to hear hundreds, if not thousands, of sermons. I remember when I was a really young Christian and first growing up in the Lord, I would have cassette tapes and audio tapes because they still like cassette tapes back then. And I would listen to cassette tapes of preachers over and over and over and over again. And I would listen to their words and their sermons and the revelations that God had given to them. And it was great because it helped me grow in the Lord and give me understanding. But even hearing the most profound revelations about the kingdom of God and of heaven, it was nothing compared to being in front of my Bible and reading a passage of scripture that I may have read a hundred times and having the Holy Spirit speak to me through it and seeing something I had never seen before. Because in those moments of quietness with you and the Lord, he tends to want to show you things. When you're spending time with him, he tends to want to open up to you and reveal things to you. And it's amazing what a few minutes with the Lord can do in your life. It's amazing the difference in your attitude and your perspective and your perception of the world around you. When your eyes are listening and your eyes are on him and your ears are listening to him. Because you see, when we started the broadcast, we were talking about the destruction that's all around us. And it's true. Can't lie. The world's a pretty, pretty bad place. Like the days of Noah, it says, so will it be in the end. And we're pretty much almost there. I possibly can't imagine how much worse it can get. The scripture says a little bit. But we're almost to that point, it seems. But even though the world around us is growing consistently, growing even more wicked day by day, he changes not. His power is still the same. His blood is still the same today as it was on the day of Calvary. His word is the same today as it was when he first spoke it and created the heavens and the earth. Because regardless of what happens, he doesn't change. Regardless of what the sickness is, regardless of what the disease is, regardless of what the word of man is, he doesn't change. And his word is true. Because he's faithful. You know, it says in the book of Revelation, 
me actually pull it up now. It says, and where are we at? Revelation 22, 6. It says, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and I saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And then he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And listen to this. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city, but outsider dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. And he's coming quickly. And his reward is with him. But as the scripture says, David said, you are my exceeding great reward. And he said, one thing I've desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because, you know, it's not about his hand. It's about him. It's not always about what the Lord can do. It's about who the Lord is. You know, I remember seeing this movie. Um, I, I, I like I like watching movies. Me and my wife watch them a lot. And when I was before I was married, I had a lot more time to watch movies. And it was surprising how movies could relate to our lives. And you know, there was this movie called First Night. And it was about King Arthur and Lancelot and um, I guess Guinevere and, you know, King Arthur and Guinevere are going to get married in the movie. And her city was under attack and he's the great King Arthur. And at one point he comes up to her and he says, you know, I'll still protect your city. You don't have to marry me. And she looked at him and she said, I want to marry you, 
not your crown, not your kingdom, you. You know, at times I have thought about the rewards in heaven. I think I said this or something like the last time I was on the broadcast. Rewards are great. And the Bible says, I have not seen, nor is ear heard, nor is entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So between me and you, I think my reward is getting to stand there and look up and see him who is pierced. getting to look into the unapproachable light of the Lord God, creator of heaven and earth, the majesty on high. That's my reward. That's all I want is to stand in his presence all the days of my life. You see, in this life we live, the Bible says one's life doesn't consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And yes, I know I'm sort of all over the map tonight. But you know, all the riches in the world don't do anything without relationship. could take everything away you know it reminds me of Job who had lost everything had a great amount of riches and hid everything and I'd love to win the lottery I'm not saying I couldn't use money um there's five million things you can do with it even just to bless the kingdom to bless every single homeless person I come across But Job lost it all, and he said, naked and I came into this world, and naked I'll return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, when tragedy happens, when bad things happen, when good things happen, blessed be the name of the Lord. Our rock, our fortress, our shield, our redeemer, our savior. Our God, blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That out of your mouth, you learn to praise him from the rising of the sun to the setting. You learn to praise him. You learn to worship him. Not for what you have, not for what's going, not not for the good things, not for anything, any other reason, but you learn to worship him because he's God. You learn to worship Yeshua. You learn to worship Jesus, the Messiah. Not only because he sacrificed his blood that we could have righteousness and redemption through his name and eternal life and a place in his kingdom and an inheritance that's undefiled and uncorrupted which doesn't pass away 
and even though it says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, and it talks about the rewards that are waiting for us and the place that he has reserved for us. You worship him because of who he is. Because it's reason enough. Just because of who he is. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then when you think of all the benefits of the Lord, of all the good things that he's done for us, it gives you that much more reason to worship him. Because his mercies are abundant, new every morning. His love never runs out, his mercies and his grace never run out in our lives. His faithfulness is never has an end. And there's so many reasons to worship him. Because when we cried out to him, we said, Lord, where are you? He said, here I am. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. If you want to know the Lord tonight, all it takes is coming to him. Placing your trust not in the works of men, but placing your trust in God. Understanding that there's always going to be things we don't understand. There's always going to be things we can't comprehend. But we know that he's faithful. And we know that he doesn't change.
by himself. His family had already gone to bed. And all of a sudden he received this phone call.
the story is, you know, man, I, it's just like I was just praying that the Lord would have mercy on us because it just seems like that story about Martin Luther King, again, man, is like it's about the fact that we can't deal with beautiful people. I just wanted to just, I was, Lord, have mercy on us for the fact that we, we can't handle truly beautiful people. Yeah. And mm. we killed Martin Luther King, Father. Wow. And we just, we can't handle a world with beautiful people because we just, we're not capable of understanding what that looks like. Help us to see.
Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.